Good morning. Welcome to worship on January 22nd, 2022. Happy Lunar New Year. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us center ourselves, take a breath, relax, open our spirits to the presence of the living Lord. and remain standing for the hymn and the invocation. Jesus beckons us to move forward in life with a faith guided by love. We hear his message and respond. Let love lead and be that person that makes a positive difference in people's lives and in the community. With the help of God, present in our worship this day. Touch us with your spirit and call us to attention. Heal our hurts, enlighten our burdens, and empower us for lives of discipleship in your son's name. Amen. It's so good to be back with you all today. 
I'm really excited to share one of my favorite Bible stories with you. It has two pretty little bitty things in it. One is mustard seed. And I wish I could show you right here how big a mustard seed would be, but it's pretty little. And the other thing in it is about yeast. And yeast is something that you put into bread and into other baked goods to help it rise and to be really yummy and tasty. And of course, the mustard seed grows a mustard plant. Well, the mustard plant starts out itty bitty, but it grows and it grows and actually it can be a kind of invasive plant and it can take over a whole garden. So I bet you're sitting there wondering, why is Pastor Christy telling me about these things? Well, this is something that you will be learning about in Sunday school today. And I am really very excited for you to learn these because what we're talking about is growing God's kingdom. And so I cannot wait for you to get together with your teachers and figure out how we are going to grow God's kingdom so that we can be invasive in our own lives and others. So friends, in just a moment, you'll be able to go to the back to your Sunday school teachers. And at that point, you will learn more about God's kingdom like a mustard seed. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for each of my kids. Thank you for giving us faith that grows like a mustard seed. And thank you that we are part of your kingdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's children say, Amen. All right, I'll see you soon. Have a good class. God, we pray that you would hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. We need your touch made real in our lives to give us strength and courage, healing, and renewed life. We pray for those around us who are struggling with, with physical or or mental health issues, with troubled relationships, uh, uncertain employment, or other forms of disease and discomfort that are bothering them. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think specifically this morning of Kathy Drake and Mike Diabaldi, Sally DeLong. Sarah Pierce, as they deal with the effects of their cancer and cancer treatments. We pray for their strength, for their healing, for the continued support of their loved ones. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. 
We think of the passing of Bill Nodoff this week, and we lift up Sandy and the family and all of us who surrounded Bill and feel the loss of his life from us who grieved this death. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Candy Wilcox's friend, Marsha, in the hospital over back pain. For Tom Hopkins, as he manages ongoing health issues and the pain uh, that those issues cause him. For Heidi Giddes and her, her father, as they, as they work to make improvements for him as he manages his life. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We pray for Sarah Thibault Philip as she travels to the Middle East. We pray for safe travels, for good experiences as she lectures there. Surround her with your spirit and help her to have a marvelous experience. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And again, we pray for Barbara Ghosh as she uh, comes out of her COVID and COVID-related diseases and uh, hopefully is discharged this weekend to be at home. We pray for her continued improved health. O oh Lord, Hear our prayers. And once again, this Sunday, we pray for the victims of random violence, of gun violence in our country, those who are, the 10 who died and the 10 or so who have been wounded in Monterey Park this time, this week, one more occasion of this kind of violence. We pray for these souls we pray for their shock and their trauma. We pray for healing, and we pray for our country to some kind of way find beyond this. Help us to live in grace and caring for one another to build a better society. We pray for the world where there is sufferings from war or from famines. We pray for our human family. May we be better to one another. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we pray, we, we take a prayerful moment or two to lift up our private thoughts over people and situations.
come into these lives and situations, Lord God, in a, in a powerful way that helps these folks know your support, your nurture and healing. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. All this we pray in the name of your son, joining in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Our scripture reading today, our scripture readings today, are from Psalms and the Gospel of Matthew. First, Psalm 27. Hear these words. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the days of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on a rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make the melody to the Lord. Oh, hear, O oh Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Next, Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth, made his home in Capernaum, by the lake, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what he had been spoken through the prophets Isaiah may be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he walked by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there. He saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father 
and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The word of God for the people of God. Were you able to follow along in that uh, Psalms reading? Um, I want you to go look at it again um, when you go home. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, uh, if you just listen, you, you can capture it, and sometimes when you're reading, you can capture it, but sometimes you're just kind of letting it wash over you. And if you look closely at the Psalms, you will see that here we have a character who has had some kind of relationship with God some kind of sense of encounter over time with God and wants to respond and wants God to respond to his or her response as well. And it, it illustrates for us this dynamic relationship, though it's with these ancient words and, and ancient language. I don't know how many of us think of we have enemies plaguing us on a daily basis that we pray for God to, to save us from. But in some ways, we all are struggling with life, and we're seeking God's help in that process. So go back and, and read Psalms again uh, after, not during the sermon now. Wait, wait till the sermon's over and, uh, this afternoon. Take a look at it and see if, if what I say uh, later on this morning makes some sense as to what you've already heard. May the words of my mouth. <laughs> Be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, Amen. So there's two key developments, two key decisions that are before us this morning in our scripture passages that help us to go further along with understanding our epiphany focus. The first is that Jesus, Jesus has decided to push forward in his ministry. We're led to understand that John performed the ministry of preparation, water baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and, and pointing to the hope in the one that is to follow him. And now John has been arrested and, and soon is to be beheaded, and the movement will be losing its leader in John the Baptist. Jesus realizes if we can kind of step into his life here, Jesus realizes that the time has come for him to step forward. And the, the thrust of this mission, of this new movement, the thrust of it is going to change from John to Jesus. Now, I'm wondering if this was a tough decision for Jesus. Now, what do you think? If, if, you're, if you think of John's gospel as the main definer of your understanding of Jesus, well, then Jesus had it all wired from the beginning, and this wasn't a difficult decision at all. He fully understood the role he was playing and the tasks that would unfold in this role. But if you, if you spend a little bit more time with the synoptic gospels, you, you get a sense that there's an unfolding in Jesus' life, 
uh, a dawning, a, a movement of greater consciousness and understanding of himself that happens during the time of Jesus' life. Herod Antipas is a very intimidating kind of character, and he, he rolls out of uh, Tiberias, just right around the corner of the Sea of Galilee, I'm guessing there must have been a significant amount of, of fear and anxiety that was a part of this decision for him to step forward in the light of the political intrigue, in the light of Roman oppression, in the light of John's arrest, in the light of John's beheading. Yet Jesus makes his decision, and he launches his ministry. So you'll recall that Jesus has heard the initial invitation from God, and he has responded, right? And now another, that was his baptism, and now another invitation is extended by God through what's happening in John, through John's situation. And again, Jesus is hearing that, and Jesus is responding, what we would call responding in faith. Because, again, what makes Jesus the Christ for us is that he is not a puppet, is that he really is the incarnation. He is this combo God-man kind of a thing that we try to get our theology around. So these kind of decisions, these circumstances, have a real meaning, have a power in his life. Jesus is the model for us of what I'm suggesting about this epiphany process, the call and the response. Because of Jesus' courage and commitment to what he believed God was calling him to do, we have the issue of, of discipleship squarely before us. Jesus claims his calling embraces what has been spoken of him, gathers his disciples, and sets off to do his will. In John's gospel reading last week, we heard the, the recounting of the story of the, of the turning of Andrew and Simon, Simon Peter, to Jesus. We looked at that with the words, come and see, right? That phrase, and, and talked about the importance of the of the invitation to consider Jesus and the response of a willingness to do so. The Baptist pointed to Jesus and shared with two of his disciples his insight about Jesus' divine nature. Remember that, right? And they responded by going to investigate. Well, let's check this out. See if that's true, right? And then Andrew later tells his brother, hey, that's, that's the Messiah. This Jesus guy's the Messiah. And he goes to check it out and investigate also. The invitation to encounter Jesus is extended. Come and see, right? Come and see. And it engenders a response. Nah, I'm not interested. Don't bother me. Or... Eh, all right. You were impressed? 
all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go and see. And what we're hearing in our scripture is a whole bunch of okay, I wills in response to Jesus rather than nas at, at this point in Jesus' ministry. Now, the second development that we're seeing lifted up in Scripture today is, is actually following Jesus because of that decision to check out Jesus. This Sunday, in the account provided by Matthew, we have the same two brothers, Andrew and Simon, right? But now we've got... Matthew telling the story and not John. And they're out fishing on the Sea of Galilee because they're fisher guys, right? So they're out doing what they do. And we see the second key development for us presented in this scripture this morning. So Jesus is walking along the north shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. You got your feet wet there, right? Remember that? How beautiful that is? And as we walk that, we imagine that Jesus was there with us walking in that same place because Jesus was there walking in that same place where, where we walked. It's, it's, it's just a, a marvelous thing. And so, so he's headed around. He's headed around over towards Capernaum. Now, this is going to be his new headquarters, his home base, right? We know that he, he uh, beds down in this, in this house in Capernaum now, and that's the home base of his ministry. And as he's going around, he sees these fishermen on the lake. Not an unusual sight, but he sees these fishermen there, Andrew and Simon. And he calls out to these two brothers, and he says, come on, let's go. Follow me. Now, you know, a lot of time people like to just kind of jam the Gospels together, kind of integrate them, merge them so things happen. And, and we're told that that's not always a helpful thing because sometimes different memories are at work here and they're in conflict with one another. So you can't just always just jam them together. But here's a time where it might be kind of fun to do that. Do you suppose that this is Jesus' second encounter with Andrew and Simon? Now maybe this is Matthew's version of the encounter. Just like John had a version of the encounter. But maybe this is a second one. Maybe, maybe, as John says, Jesus had bumped into Simon, bumped into Andrew beforehand, thanks to John's pointing him out, and, and they, they got a little connected, and then they went home and back out and fishing. And now Jesus is coming along the shoreline, and he recognizes those two. Simon, hey! Andrew! Come on! Let's do this thing. Let's go. Could that be what happened? That they already were kind of primed to respond? Because it has kind of surprised a lot of people that Jesus would just call and all of a sudden these guys would leave their wives, would leave their jobs, would leave their families. They don't even have a change of underwear. And we all know how important that is when we go on a trip, right? Our mothers taught us. And off they go. Interesting to think about. 
Jesus says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And they decide to respond and follow. And they leave their nets and they go. Today's scripture, in my mind, is about what happens after the response to the invitation of come and see. We come and see, and then what do we do with what we see? So, what do we do with an epiphany? What do we do with a discernment and an insight, with an epiphany? A brief story, non-religious in nature. Like all of you, as I have aged, my body has aged. It's been a bit of a surprise. If I'm not looking in the mirror, I don't. All right. Doctor visits, blood tests, exams. Used to be, I don't know, once every couple of years or once a year. Now it seems to be every month there's something going on that we're going to the doctors, right? Lots of advice on how to live healthily, how to live longer, has been coming fairly often in recent years. I try to pay attention. I really do. I really do try to pay attention. And you know the story about the Fritos and the Doritos, and I have made some advances, right? You've, you've been up to date with that. I've tried to heed some advice on living better, and I intend, I intend very much to live better, but sometimes ice cream is just ice cream. So, I got lab results this week on a recent blood test. And my A1C, does everybody know A1C? You have to be a certain age to know it. You guys don't know what A1C is at all. Don't even worry about it. Some of the rest of us, we've been dealing with A1C. Well, now it's a, it's a term in my world now. A1C is elevated. My A1C is elevated. The doctor was very concerned in her tone of voice. She told me, your A1C is elevated. You are pre-diabetic. Now, the pre part didn't register as much as diabetic. registered in my head, and all of a sudden, my knees got a little weak, and I thought, hey, this sounds serious, because people who have diabetes have some serious health concerns, and I'm just pre-that. You know, how close am I to that? Am I right at the doorstep to going into it, or am I, you know... 12 ice creams away? You know, two bags of cookies away or 100 cookies? How close? So, but her tone of voice told me I should be listening and she got my attention and she invited me. She invited me to eat better. 
So I kind of had an epiphany about my diet. Uh, not the first epiphany about my diet, but a stronger, newer, more urgent epiphany about my diet and how diet really does affect one's health, that they're not just words. So what do I do with this insight? How shall I respond? This is what we're focusing on today. You gain an epiphany, and your first response is to explore it. Now, what's this all about, this Jesus business, this faith business, this, this idea that love is going to be more powerful than hate, that grace is going to be more powerful than judgment? Kind of explore that. And then what do you do with the input? What do you do with your epiphany? A whole lot more ice creams. And actually, there's a cookie that's called Papa's Cookie in our household because uh, my grandson sees me eat it so much. It's, it's, it's Papa's Cookie. Uh, we love Papa's Cookie. We eat too many Papa's cookies. What am I going to do with that? So, from a religious point, more of a religious sensibility, following uh, the exploratory encounter with Jesus, the disciples sort through what it must mean, what it, what it might mean to them and to others, this Jesus business, right? And this is what we all must do. This is what we all must do. We all must come to some terms with the Jesus story and the claim of Jesus as the Christ. What will we do with this claim? Affirm it or deny it or kind of waver around a little bit with some kind of uncertainty about it, you know. The encounter with Jesus leads to a time of decision and that decision is one to follow or not follow. Now, for the disciples, my sense is that this come and see experience resulted in a decide and follow experience. That's what we're seeing in our scripture this morning. And this is what we're seeing Jesus did with God directly. This decision may not be so easy as it just is for me to say it. You know, here, this is what it, what's going on. It's, it's not that easy, perhaps, right? Following Jesus may, may not only settle issues for yourself and give meaning in your life, but it also may raise some anxieties and, and some fears. Who, who, who wants to be labeled like some of these Christians that we see in the news and in society and on TV who are acting like this and acting like that. You know, we have people who have left the church because they don't want to be identified with Christians that seem to be Methodists. Because Methodist Christians in the news have a certain uh, attitude about themselves. Maybe it's not so easy 
to be Christian. With the disciples, I think it was a big deal. I think it was a big, big life change. They, they seem to have left their vocations, you know, fishermen, uh, the tax collector, government worker, government worker, um, tradesmen. Seemingly, as far as we can tell, they left their families, at least for long periods of time, if not for a long period of time as they traveled about and they were put at odds with the status quo of their society the political and religious powers that be you might say they were at odds they became at odds with them And let's remember that the early disciples did not have a theology figured out about who Jesus was and how it all was going to work out, right? How he was the son of God and part of the Trinity and how forgiveness works and all of that stuff. They didn't have any of that figured out yet, right? They, they didn't have a social change system theory in their head that would make sense of them creating new families and running counter to the economy or the power structure of oppression or, or any of that. They didn't have any of that in their heads. They had none of that figured out. They just had this Jesus guy who was so powerful and transformative for them that they were willing to respond and follow. Responding to the wow of Jesus and hoping that it would make some sense, hoping that it would work out, hoping that it would be true. This decide and follow had to have been pretty risky for them. And, and you know, for us modern folks, this decide and follow thing it doesn't really appear to be that risky, does it, when you really think about it? Unless if you live in Persia or maybe China or Thailand or some, some place where there isn't the same kind of tolerance of, of Christian faith or of faith, um, maybe that's a little bit more risky. Yet some would say it's still risky here in the religiously tolerant United States. It's still kind of a risky thing because in some ways it's, it's supported and in some ways it's not, you know? A decision of faith might lead to one job over another job. One that rewards differently, expects different behaviors, fits into the pattern of family life differently, maybe. An experience of faith might lead to one spouse and not another. You may end up finding, well, this felt like love, but it really doesn't work through all the aspects of who I am. So maybe it's this person instead. 
right? It, it might have to do with job. It might have to do with... It might have to do with sacrifices that you're called upon to make or things over which you are passionate. And maybe your neighbors don't get that. Why do you care about that, they might say. How can you put yourself at risk for that? They might say. So even in America, maybe decide and follow has a little risk to it. Because decisions have consequences, don't they, folks? Decisions, choices have consequences. So faith, if you've made a real choice, will have a consequence. It just goes to follow. Some are known consequences. Some are unknown consequences. Some are small and, and some are large. Our scriptures keep bringing before us illustrations of the power and the goodness that is uh, promised, available, possible for us in life if we decide to follow Jesus. And such a decision pleases God, we're told. Do you remember that Luke passage, Luke 15, 8 through 10? It's, it's one of a couple passages where it's highlighted the searching, the lost sheep, the searching for the lost coin is this story. How the woman of the house sweeps up to find the lost coin because the lost coin, one lost coin is so uh, important. One lost sheep is so important. In the economy of God's heavenly love, one soul is so important. And we're led to believe that that soul is yours. And the heavens rejoice, Scripture says. The heavens rejoice when you decide and follow and journey home to God. Not only good for yourself, but the cosmos smiles. Wow. Big stuff. Jesus invites us to follow. It's a call. It's a response. Hear the invitation. Take the chance. Decide to follow in a way that is significant. And you will be blessed. Amen. You are invited to share of your financial resources via the instructions that will appear on the screen to help support the ministries of Christ that happen throughout our congregation. 
Your generous generosity is needed to keep us going, to keep us doing the good work we do. So give generously and be part of what happens in the people's lives through the congregation of the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask that you bless these gifts and those who give them, that our ministries in your Son's spirit may thrive, helping your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
this service has been a blessing to you. Let's work with God and one another, making this a blessed day and a blessed week. Go in peace to serve God and your neighbor in all that you do. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be upon you all.